You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Jacob Danny. And we have a full show for you today, fans. Listen, going to talk a little bit about these NCAA playoffs, college football playoffs, and give you our thoughts a little bit into NFL. And then we're going to the NBA. Got some interesting NBA discussions and all. And then we have a very intriguing trading card scenario. But first, Danny, college football. Man, listen, championship Saturday was something else. I did not see Alabama manhandling Georgia the way that they did, man. I actually thought that Georgia was going to prevail in a very close matchup here. And it just seemed like Alabama just had their way with them, man. Uh, I mean, come on, man. Young, the quarterback of Alabama, should be the front runner of the Heisman Trophy. Went 26 for 44 for 421 yards, three touches, man. Listen, Danny, I really thought Georgia's defense was going to show up, mm-hmm. going to do something here. But, man, that just wasn't the case. What say you? Georgia was just a step slow all over the field. And Alabama, man, they they exploited them all over. The, they, the receivers, it was just a dominating game by Alabama. Georgia – just couldn't get over the hump, man. They couldn't put a dent. They just got down too early and they just couldn't come back. So this sets up though for these college football playoffs for a possible rematch as we look at these matchups. So we have the Alabama Crimson Tide facing the Cincinnati Bearcats. And these are both, uh, the playoffs are on the 31st of December. And then you have the Michigan Wolverines representing the Big Ten playing the Georgia Bulldogs. Looking at these matchups, I want to say kudos first to Cincinnati for making it. I didn't think they would get in, even though they, you know, they did what they did this year. I still see Alabama and Georgia facing off in that championship game based on what we're seeing here. But two good games. I can't wait to see them on New Year's Eve. It always sets up well for New Year's Day. Look here, man. Uh, first, that Michigan-Iowa championship game in the Big Ten was uh, a beatdown. 42-3, to three, man. I mean, come <laughs> on. Um, I thought I was going to show up a little bit more mm-hmm. uh, than what they did. But quite honestly, man, I think it serves the Big Ten right in terms of they had to have a big-name school go or at least be able to win the Big Ten championship. I mean, Iowa was ranked number 13. If Iowa would have won that game, they would not have gone to the college football playoffs. Let's just be real. Yep. Uh, so in order for this to really work in terms of having the major names, the major conferences in there with the exception of, obviously, the uh, Pac-12 and, and, and all, 
they needed Michigan to win. And lo and behold, they got that in a convincing fashion. So I think that this game between Michigan and Georgia is going to be very intriguing. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give that one to Georgia. And I think we are going to see a rematch of the SEC championship game in the national title game. And I think that game is going to be very, very different than the SEC championship game as well. I mean, one thing we got to realize too, Messi got hurt. He's out for the season. Um, um, That's going to be really interesting, but at the same token, man, come on, man, this is Alabama. They got five-star athletes sitting on a bench. Yep. So, I mean, next man up, next person up, man. So, We'll see what happens with that, but I think it's going to be a rematch of the SEC championship game in, in this title game, uh, and that's going to be a very, very uh, interesting showcase, man. One of the things that, as we're talking about college football, we got to also talk about the SWAC championship game, the Southwestern Athletic Conference game where uh, Jackson State faced off against Prairie View A&M at Jackson State. And I think one of the things that needs to be recognized is just how many people actually attended this game, man. I don't think these title games, the SWAT title game is getting enough pub and getting enough credit. We're talking about over 50,000 people showed up for this game, Danny. Mm -hmm. And that is more than some, some of the major or power five schools. And congratulations to Jackson State University, to Coach Prime, to the student athletes for winning the SWAC championship, uh, prevailing and ultimately going on to the Celebration Bowl against South Carolina State University. Uh, so give them kudos, give them a whole lot of props, man. And, and congratulations to uh, Coach Prime for uh, winning the uh, SWAC Coach of the Year. And uh, for several of his players, student athletes, um, getting uh, accolades as well in terms of being on the first and second teams uh, in, within the conference. So, Danny, I'm, I'm just so happy to see what's happening in – HBCU football. Mm-hmm. I really am. Um, there's there's reports that uh, the impact within uh, the championship game uh, generated about $30 million of impact in uh, the Jackson, Mississippi area, man. Come on, man. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's just be real here for a minute. I think we need to ensure that there's a more shine being shown on HBCU football amongst the classics, huge attendance. Mm-hmm. You have the pageantry of the bands. And maybe I get, I'm just, I get a little emotional when I talk about it because I am an alum of the illustrious Florida A&M University and where we actually went to the playoffs uh, the first time in many years that a football team rep- represented the SWAC conference in the playoffs. Now, we didn't do well uh, in that game. Uh, we got bounced out. But nonetheless, man, what a great season 
uh, and great representation, not only in the bowl game and the celebration bowl, but also in the playoffs, man. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to really shine a light on that. And again, I got to give kudos and props to uh, Jackson State and kudos definitely and props to uh, the Florida A&M University. So, Danny, I have to mention this, too. And there are reports here that 50,128 people actually showed up at the SWAC championship game, man. 50,000. And the great thing about that is that the actual revenue, game day revenue, is actually going to go to the university themselves. So, man, kudos to Jackson State. What say you? Hey, Jason, congratulations to Coach Prime and the Jackson State Tigers. We've been talking about them ever since Coach Prime was hired. And for them to take it all the way since he's been there is is awesome, man. So congratulations to them. And like you mentioned, they'll be playing South Carolina State, who is the MEAC representative on December 18th in the Celebration Bowl on ABC. So please tune in, check them out, cap off the season. And, and with success so because they've been doing so well coach prime and what he's doing it'd only be fitting for them to go ahead and wrap this up on the 18th on abc so congratulations to them and all the things you mentioned about the revenue the visibility to the hbcu community it's it's only the beginning man um coach prime is paving the way and opening the door for others to go ahead and move this move this forward. And now, Danny, on to the NFL, where, man, NFL weekend was quite intriguing. Uh, last weekend, you had the likes of the Ravens and Steelers, man, in a very interesting Sunday night game and where the Steelers actually prevailed. Uh, Ravens were right there. They were right there. They went for two to actually win the game. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, uh, guys really wide open. <laughs> uh, Could have uh, went ahead and if he had he caught the ball, it would have actually uh, been a win for the Ravens. But man, 20 to 19, uh, Steelers prevailed. So yeah, it's just quite interesting to see how that particular division, the, the AFC North, is really shaking out uh, in Dahl. Uh, some other interesting games throughout uh, last weekend was, is there something about these Raiders? It just seems like, man, every year, I feel like they're going to get over the hump. Mm-hmm. And it feels like every year they just disappoint me. They lost to the Washington football team 17-15 to 15 in Las Vegas. Uh, I don't know, man. I know they've had a lot going on for the whole season, but man, come on, man. I mean, they were right there. They were right there. Uh, another intriguing matchup, though, the Chargers against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Justin Herbert uh, put on the show 26 for 35 for 317 yards, three touches. And I think we're, we're going to see these two teams or these, these two quarterbacks duel it out in the next few years here in the playoffs. I really believe that. The Minnesota Vikings against the Detroit Lions. 
I found myself actually rooting for the Detroit Lions because mm-hmm. I feel like no team should go over in yep. a season, right? So I was actually pulling for the Lions, and man, I gotta give them props. They actually won. Yep. They won, man. So congratulations to the Detroit Lions. I don't know what that says about the Minnesota Vikings. That defense that they had was I don't at the last play of the game. I don't know what that was. All I gotta say though is, boy, the Lions got their win. We'll see if they go for win number two. See if they can go on a, a streak here this coming Sunday. What say you? Jason, uh have to shout out that Buffalo New England game on Monday yes. night. Yes. With all that wind and cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots just running the ball down Buffalo's throat. Mm-hmm. Beat to beat Buffalo. Buffalo had a chance at the end. New England's defense is, has been playing awesome all year and stopped them. So great game there. My Falcons took that L this past week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're in the game again and just couldn't do it in the second half, man. Put up a big donut, big Krispy Kreme donut in the second half. And you can't beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers by not scoring. So I'm curious to see what they do this week. They play Carolina. So that is a very pivotal game to keep them in the playoff hunt. Uh, Going back to the Ravens, the Ravens might be in trouble, man. They were the number one seed going into that game on Sunday against the Steelers in the AFC overall. To lose that game may hurt them because here's their upcoming schedule. Cleveland Browns this week. Green Bay Packers, Cincinnati Bengals, that Los Angeles Rams, and the Steelers again. Theoretically, they could be out of the playoffs after that schedule mm-hmm. if they were to lose. I'm pulling for them, man. I'm pulling for Lamar. I like Lamar. I like the Ravens team. They lost Humphrey this week, too, on the defensive side of the ball, so that's going to hurt them majorly, and you're going against teams that have great receivers. Mm-hmm. So to lose your top secondary player against teams except for the browns the browns are more running they have landry still but they they're more ground and pound team but the rest of those games they're gonna be thrown in the air unless the weather is not cooperating where the ravens then can take advantage of their running game so there's a lot to still happen in these last five weeks man and there's gonna be a lot of shuffling and shifting so by the time we get to that last week, I'm very curious how this is going to look going into that play- and going into the playoffs. Uh, one other call out here is Kyler Murray returned with DeAndre Hopkins. And they went to Chicago and beat the doors off the Bears. <laughs> but the Bears shot themselves in the foot. Dalton had four picks. Two of them weren't his fault. They were tip balls. But it was good to see Kyler Murray back. He looked healthy, you know, coming off the ankle injury. D-hop caught the touchdown early. So they also have a difficult schedule coming up. That's why both of these conferences, man, these are going to be some interesting and uh, exciting weeks coming up in the NFL. And now, Danny, on to the NBA and where some interesting news here where the Milwaukee Bucks actually brought back Wesley Matthews. I think this is 
an attempt to replace PJ Tucker defensively on the wing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, obviously, Wesley Matthews is used to the system, and it looks like uh, the Bucks went ahead and signed them for one point nine million dollars. It just feels like they have given up on Jordan Nora. Uh, Jordan Norrick to score, man. Mm-hmm. He can score. He can shoot lights out on three. Defensively, yeah. you know, is he better than Wesley Matthews defensively? I'm not saying that, but it's not that much of a drop off between him and Wesley Matthews defensively. This is be real. Jordan Nora, this is his last year in the contract, but it's going to be interesting too because Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, is close to returning. Danny, this, this is such a huge backlog here of guards. So coming off the bench, you have Connington. You're going to have Wesley Matthews. DiVincenzo when he comes back. Jordan Nora. I mean, you got George Hill. You got five guards I just called out right there, man. What say you, Danny? It surprised me they brought back Wesley Matthews just from the simple fact what you mentioned. They have a lot of guard depth already. And with DiVincenzo on the mend, I I was surprised they brought him back, not necessarily um, for him as a player, just due to all the people they have going. But I see him as, yeah, a defensive stopper. And that was his role when he was here before, and he can hit the three. I thought George Hill is that dude in this in this uh on this team but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bringing wesley matt he, he is he is a good locker room guy so it won't disrupt that way so that'll mm-hmm. be a positive and if they do need to give people some nights off and get some rest he can fill in and put up some decent numbers from his standpoint you know he's closing on the, close to the end of his career mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but he can at least give you some valuable minutes I'm just curious if now this is DJ Wilson part two with Jordan <laughs> Nora uh, and just falling out of the rotation and curious if they do anything with him from a trading perspective or what, like they did with DJ Wilson. So mm-hmm. it's just very interesting because he is a knockdown shooter and he was having, you know, when he got to play, he had, good games so i'm i don't know if there's something there with coach bud and him kind of like with dj wilson or what's going on so i guess the future will tell us what <laughs> what's 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 coming up for jordan and then just something that i heard um that i kind of want to really go ahead and reiterate and i have to give um appropriate props and credit to uh, Coach Sam Mitchell um, off of NBA radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he mentioned something and just really kind of clicked for me in terms of the Utah Jazz and where, yes, the Utah Jazz have a great record. But will this actually hold up in the playoffs? One of the things that Coach mentioned was the fact of how many threes that they actually shoot in their shooting percentage from three. Mm-hmm. which is not the greatest, especially when you talk about your major star player in terms of Donovan Mitchell. They shoot a whole lot of threes, and that doesn't really fly in the playoffs. Mm-mm. In the playoffs, and we saw this even with Giannis, 
the Milwaukee Bucks and you know the Phoenix Suns in where come on man let's just be real the two point shot was critical just as core mm-hmm. uh and everything man so I don't know about the Utah Jazz. I don't know how much stock I put into them really advancing far in the playoffs, just on account that your major superstar here shooting only 34% from the three-point line. So we'll see what happens with the Utah Jazz. And then other news here, too, with Dame Dollar, Damian Lillard, where there were reports about him wanting to play with uh, Ben Simmons. So that obviously caused a ruckus you know, in terms of, oh, are they going to trade for Ben Simmons and stuff like that? Listen, Dame came back and said, listen, he wants to play for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, Dame, listen, man, I have to agree, disagree with you, but hey, it is your career. Um, and this is a whole lot happening in Portland right now, just in terms of the organization's culture and where they had to let go Neil O'Shea, president and GM um president of basketball operations and gm for the portland trailblazers the company's culture the organization's culture um basically took a hit there and it's going to be really interesting to see how dame lillard dame dollar in portland what say you danny portland has been in this like rut (laughs) for how many years now a lot where they're good but they're not good enough. They made that run a uh, couple years ago to the Western Conference Finals. But it's time to shake it up. And they've brought in pieces around Dame to support Dame, Dame's game. He has a very – he's very ball dominant. And you have C.J. McCollum there, who's a great shooter, a great player. But they lack defense. They've always lacked defense. Um, and that's where they may have to start anew. I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And every time something comes up where they're talking about starting over, it involves a CJ McCollum. Because you don't want to lose Dane, but it may have to involve Dane mm-hmm. to go a different route because obviously something's not jiving there and it could be behind the scenes as well, but they just, they just can't get over the hump and they're always competitive and they're always there because of Dame, you know, Damian Lillard and McCollum, but they're going to shake it up somehow. And truth be told, I thought Ben Simmons would be a good addition for them. Mm -hmm. Just from the simple fact of you get younger you get a defensive presence from the guard perspective and you just shake it up and you bring in someone who's actually a good player that could compliment Dame because then he could feed Dame and he could dominate the ball and, you know, kick and drive and all that good stuff and open the floor up a little bit more for Dame as well. So mm-hmm. I just, they need to do something. You know, Chauncey Billups is his first year, and it says a lot just, you know, with Stotts being fired last year and Chauncey taking over that I think the team this year is just – I think they're just stagnant, and it's no fault of Chauncey Billups. 
he just walked into a situation where they just need something else to happen in order to move that team forward. So, um, like I said, I thought the Ben Simmons news would be good, rumor would be good for them, but we'll have to see. But they definitely have to do something because yeah. otherwise they're going to be right now. I believe they're in the let me let me check. I think they're in the 11th spot. They're 11 and 15. They're terrible on the road. They're one and 11 on the road. So they're good at home, 10 and four. So whatever is going on with them on the road, they fix that. Then they're in contention again, where they at least be in the playoff hunt. But all in all, they need some type of change. I would prefer Dame stay there because I like superstars staying in those smaller markets. And he's been good for Portland and Portland's been good for him. But then they got to bring someone in that compliments him. And I think Ben Simmons would be that player. Dang, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that, man. I'm going to have to disagree with you on Ben Simmons being that player. Mm-hmm. I think Portland needs some defense. They need a defensive-minded type situations type team. Mm-hmm. And yes, Ben Simmons can play defense uh, and all, but I'm, I don't know. Until I see Ben Simmons shoot, I am not trading for Ben Simmons. I believe that you can go out and get a 6'9 wing defender. Mm -hmm. I really believe that. I believe you can go to Racine, Wisconsin. And get six nine wing defender, man, who's going to have some grit, and who's going to be happy to play defense, and not worry about not being able to shoot. Mm-hmm. And my my point in referencing Racine, I mean, you can I think you can find a six nine wing defender in the G League. You can find a six nine wing, a great six nine wing defender. I mean, in overseas, mm-hmm. who can do some kind of shooting? I think you can find another Ben Simmons, but a better version of Ben Simmons who can actually shoot or complement to Ben Simmons. Uh, I don't think you, to me, I don't think you have to get Ben Simmons. I really don't. Until I see Ben Simmons actually being able to shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm not going, you know, I'm not going to buzz because and that me, might be Dame Lillard. Maybe that influence on him because Dame's a veteran. There haven't been any veterans in Philadelphia that could influence Ben Simmons. But see, Dame, Dame I, that may be that guy. But see, I still got to disagree on that, man. And the reason why I say that is because, mm-hmm. come on, Ben Simmons, you mean tell me you're not shooting at all? We talked about this, Danny. I know we have. <laughs> you mean tell me you're not going to shoot at all? From the time that he was with LSU, mm-hmm. he wasn't shooting. Mm-hmm. He didn't. He's had five years, yep, five off seasons to work on his game, and we just don't see any improvement. To me, I would want a player who's going to be, or who's going to have that mindset that I want to continue to improve. Yep. And that I'm just not satisfied. I'm I'm just not satisfied to where I am right now. And I think Ben has wrong people in his ear. 
or he's just satisfied. Or he hasn't had anyone push him. Like I said, he hasn't had a veteran there because it, it's been him and Embiid all along, right? And Embiid's same- a great player, but you need someone. And it may, like I said, it could be a Dame. It could be someone else that may, it, the switch may flip for him. Because he can handle, you can get a 6'9 wing defender, but can they handle? He can handle the ball. He can do all that. But if he can get over the shooting thing, like you mentioned, that's huge, right? Mm -hmm. They need Mm -hmm. him to shoot. They need Mm -hmm. him to shoot. So I'm totally with you there. But if Dame is that guy that could get him and coach him and influence him, maybe that's it. I don't know. He needs a change of scenery no matter what. Yeah, I, 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 I think there. Dame Dame would be he's a seasoned veteran now. He's been in the league almost 10 years or whatever the case may be. He's respected. And that may be the difference for Ben Simmons, because, yeah, Ben Simmons needs something. We're going to see we're going to see when Ben get on the court, what he yep. going to do. He's going to get back on the court eventually. Now, who's with? That's the question. Yeah, that's exactly and it. when that's the question. But he's going to he's going to get back on there. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think you have more positive spin on Ben than I do. Um, <laughs> until I see it with Ben now, yep. I'm not going. I'm not going to trade for him, man. Danny, to on to your late show. Um, listen, man, I don't know what the hell is going on. I think they're going to have to have more more time. I mean, they, yeah, they've been hurt. LeBron's been out. Mm-hmm. AD's been you know hampered with some injuries early on here. Until we see some, you know, good stuff here from the Lakers, man, it's going to be really interesting to see how the Western Conference shake out. I think it's going to come. We're close to Christmas. Yep. It's going to come a point in time where they're going to have to start putting together some wins. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really interesting. What say you? Yeah, Jay, if – if you watched the TNT coverage the other night, shout out to NBA on TNT. They were calling out AD multiple times. They called him out before the game started, called him out at halftime, called him out after the game. Their point was you can't put Frank Vogel on the hot seat when your supposed number one player is not performing up to superstar standards and not being aggressive on the offensive end of the um, court. And just all, they just were just laying it all out. Something that has not really been talked about, it may have been talked about, but they lost three key defenders from last year's team. So they did a rehaul on the team. They got older, of course, and that's obviously showing. But you lose Caruso, KCP, and Schroeder, who are all pretty good defenders that's going to show itself because you can't defend they brought in Dwight Howard to protect the rim but those defenders are key and if if they don't have that that's where they're going to struggle now they're over 500 now they're 13 and 12 at this um, time of the taping here I can see them middling around that four or five area just due to if they stay healthy with LeBron, of course. Um, but they do need AD to pick it up, man, and be aggressive and assert himself 
on the offensive side of the ball because otherwise they're a jump shooting team and they're not a great jump shooting team. So they, they need him to pick it up and carry them forward as they go into the all-star break and then into the second half of the season. So I think too, they had so much turnover, the chemistry is still not there. Mm -hmm. You can see it where people mm -hmm. don't know who's going to shoot what people mm -hmm. gunning at times <laughs> and just understanding where to be on the floor. I see them working through that and getting that chemistry right by the all-star break. And I can definitely see them making a trade. Uh, based on what the what the product is right now, but they need to chill on the Frank Vogel stuff for now, unless there's something behind the scenes that we're not privy to, mm -hmm. because I think it's more losing those defenders and understanding that AD needs to be a little more assertive on the offensive end to support LeBron and others. And now, Danny, on to our interesting trading car scenario. Who we got? So tonight, Jason, our trading card scenario involves Julio Jones, his 2011 Topps rookie card for DK Metcalf's 2019 Panini Prism rookie card. A couple quick bios. Julio Jones was the sixth overall pick out of Alabama by the Atlanta Falcons. And his career numbers to date are 869 receptions, 13,000 plus yards and 60 plus touchdowns. Seven-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and was an all-part of the All-Rookie team. DK Metcalf, second-round pick out of Mississippi by the Seattle Seahawks, and 193 receptions, 2,913 yards, and 25 touchdowns, one Pro Bowl. Jason, who do you want in your portfolio? Look, Danny, the fans know where I'm going with this. We're talking about julio jones from the sec alabama and he was just straight beasting people man and it's amazing because the atlanta falcons gave up so much draft capital to get julio jones mm -hmm. danny listen man i you know i looked at obviously julio jones in college then I thought about DK Metcalf in college too, man. And DK Metcalf was no joke, man. We're talking about DK Metcalf, who's at 6'4", 235. And Julio Jones, man. I mean, we're talking about Julio Jones at 6'3", uh, about 220. <laughs> and we thought about this trading card scenario because of how big these receivers are, man. Um, look, Danny. Here's the big question that we just don't know about DK Metcalf. Now, throughout Julio Jones's career in Atlanta, he's had Matt Ryan throwing him the football. Mm -hmm. We don't know who's going to be throwing DK Metcalf the football, man. I mean, there are reports that Russell Wilson um, is looking to move, looking to wanting to possibly go to another team or whatever the case may be. And, DK Metcalf has not only this year, but next year left on his rookie deal. So the big question next year is who's going to be throwing DK Metcalf the ball to give him or to help give him these numbers. Because when you look at Julio Jones in his first few years here, I mean, how big of a threat 
he really was, man. I mean, his rookie year, his rookie campaign, 959 yards. 2012, his, I want to say his, his uh, pro ball year, 1,198 yards, man. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And a few years down down the road here in his, what's, what was it? His fourth year in the league, 1,593 yards. His fifth year in the league, 1,871 yards. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. You talking about a major threat? Julio were to retire right now because it's looking like he needs to go ahead and retire based upon the number of injuries he's he's had, hamstrings, whatever the case may be. If he were to retire right now, he would make it into the Hall of Fame, first ballot Hall of Fame. And, oh, by the way, he did get a chance to get to the Super Bowl. And, oh, by the way, he had a pretty decent game in the Super Bowl. So I have to say, Danny, the fact that we don't know who's going to be throwing DK Metcalf the ball if he decides to stay in Seattle, that's a big question mark. Mm -hmm. And with that, I'm going to have to go with Julio Jones just on account that he's going to be a first-time, first-ballot Hall of Famer. And not only that, he's been a threat throughout his career. Mm-hmm. No problems other than injuries here and there. And he's had a Super Bowl appearance. That speaks volumes, in my opinion. So I'm going with Julio. Who you got? I'll talk about DK Metcalf first. I think the thing with DK and the Seattle Seahawks as an organization, they're a run-first team. So if you watch any of their games, they still do this to this day, man. They run, 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 run. And then fourth quarter, it's like, all right, Russ, this is the whole Russ, let Russ cook. <laughs> Hashtag. They, they let him do his thing in the fourth quarter because usually they need Russell Wilson to bail them out. And DK Metcalf, once he is a better route runner and he gets into an offense that actually highlights him, Man, sky's the limit for him, man. And he's put up great numbers in a run offense. And if you look at this year, even, he, his numbers are down while Russell Wilson was hurt. But he's a threat no matter where he is, man. He's a big dude. And I think if he gets a little more crisp on his route running, like across the middle and running those post patterns and slants and things like that, Man, imagine him in Arizona or an offense like that or the Rams. You know where I'm going, man, because Seattle limits them, limits him, I think, and caps his potential yep. where Atlanta, on the other hand, passing team. Mm-hmm. So with Matt Ryan, you know, they did run the ball a couple of years where they were trying to focus on the run where they had like Michael Turner and those dudes there while Julio was there. But Julio is his route running, his speed, the way he could dominate a game. Uh, it just, from a Falcons fan perspective, man, just, you just tore that bandaid off the wound, man, with the whole Super Bowl. Sorry. That was the ultimate cap on the year on that catch he made in the Super Bowl. 
when it was 28 to 20, a little bit like three minutes or so left in the game. All Atlanta had to do was run the ball, kick run that ball. field goal. There you do. We we celebrating in A-time. Lil Bow Wow, Ludacris, Jeezy, everybody. <laughs> we all celebrating. It didn't go that way, fellas, as we all know. That being said, man, I'm not, I'm just gonna cut to the chase. I'm taking Julio Jones. All in all, man, he's had a great career. I'm taking this card all day long. But I want to say that if DK Metcalf can get into an offense that can showcase his skill set, we might have to talk about this down the line. But until then, it's Julio Jones, man. I'm taking this his rookie card. Yeah, we'll revisit that. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backporchtalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backporchtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us. And remember that there's enough hate in the world. So go ahead and spread a little love.